Welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast with your host, Dr. Vincent Buscemi. I just had the most amazing conversation with Howard. I think his last name is Pulaski. I had such a good time with him. I actually forgot to ask him how to pronounce his last name. It doesn't matter. I'm going to put all the information in my show notes. He's with Cash Flow Coach USA. I always tell people there's three areas of life you have to master for success in life, your health, your time, and your finances. If you have margin in your health, margin in time, and margin in finances, you're going to set yourself up for success. Howard shows us how to set your life up for margin and finances. It was such a good conversation. It was so in-depth. It's nothing I've ever heard before. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this podcast, but check this podcast out. Howard, if you're listening to the introduction, thank you so much for this hour of your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're going to help a lot of people. And for all my listeners that are listening, do not miss this episode with Howard, Cashflow Coach. Guys, you're going to love this one. Talk to you soon. Ask because like some people are, I mean, it's not a political show, so like nothing we bring up is a big deal, but I always ask before. And yeah. Howard, that works good? Call you Howard? That's okay. perfect. Yeah. So Howard, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Before we get rolling, I got to know the origin story. How did you get into this? And you told me off air that you're not a financial advisor, which I want to get into then. What do you do for finances? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you don't need me to go back to like sperm and egg and how I was created. That's the, yep. Every but... guest goes from right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in my past life, I was a dentist. Uh, I practiced for 16 years, first with the Navy, uh, then where I was stationed in Chicago for one year, three years in Southern Japan, told the Navy I was getting out, moved to Austin, Texas, had my own private practice there for nine and a half years. Late 2016, I was just starting to get burnt out. I didn't know where to go, how to pivot. Sometimes life leaves you little clues and other times life hits you with a two by four. My two by four moment was in May of 2018. My older son, he comes home with a stomach ache. Three days later, we're in the ICU at the children's hospital having emergency surgery. His appendicitis that turned septic, 29 days in the hospital, 19 of them in the ICU, eight straight days of sedation because he went to the operating room five times. After they take the tube out of his throat and after they bring him down from the drugs he was on, the very first question he would only ask me, am I dying? My first breath was, did I hear him correctly? My second breath was, do not lose it right now. I look him square in the eyes and I say, no, you're not dying. You've had prayers from thousands of people all around the world and you're going to be just fine. He looks at me. He knows I'm telling him the truth. He closes his eyes to get more rest. I walked outside the room and then I broke. It all just flooded together in terms of if life is this fragile and I'm unhappy with the path that I'm on, burn the ships, it's over. And that's what I did. I sold my practice, walked away from the dental chair September of 2018. Wow. Did you have a plan when you sold the practice or were you just like, I'll figure it out once I burn the ships? Um, really no. I uh, it's a friend of mine knew that I was in the in the midst of transition and he said, Hey, why don't you join me in what I'm doing? I'm like, what's that? He goes, 
I help seniors navigate Medicare and you'll need to get an insurance license. So I did get, I do, did and still have an insurance license. Most of it's really, again, just for Medicare stuff. But I went from a career that I was miserable in to, I go through this first season of Medicare and I was like, okay, eh, you know, do I still do it now? Yes. Is it a very short time period per year that I can tolerate it? Yes. So, but to really truthfully answer your question, the answer is no, I didn't have a plan. Not the smartest way of doing things. It was just, I needed act one of my life to just be done and I didn't care. Wow. So are you married? If you don't mind me asking. I have a partner. Um, we have been together for seven years. She has two boys that are 26 and 23. And my two boys you know, to go back to, because usually the question is, is your son okay now? Um, yes, he's fine. 18 inches less of intestines, some really cool scars. Uh, but he's now 17. And then I have a younger son that's 14. So kind of older blended family of four kids. Now, when you were making this move, did you discuss it with your partner or your thought was I'll explain it to her after it's done? Oh, no, no, no. She was 1000% on board and she was like, yeah, you've been a miserable, miserable SOB <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. I'm so sorry that your son had to go through that. I'm so happy that he is on the other side. To be honest, I was kind of afraid to ask the question because if it didn't end well, I didn't want to ask the question, is your son still alive? But thank God he is. So you make yeah. the move and you're doing this Medicare insurance and are you happy then? It, as I said, it was just like, it was there, it was better, but I'm like, if I'm going to put my heart and soul into something because I was miserable for so long, I got to find something that lights me up. And so kind of the next progression of this is in that transition that I'm moving out of dentistry, I'm sitting with another dentist over lunch and he asked me the obvious question, how are you walking away? Now, I never had a large practice. I think my best year in collections was around 850. All right. And I only hit that like one year. So from a dental standards, you know this. I mean, that's not huge. Okay. But I made one dumb comment to him, which changed my life. I said, well, I kind of figured out how to make money move. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I explained these three concepts. It's still the core of what, what the whole thing is today. And at the end, he's like, okay, I, I kind of get it. I'm buying a condo next month. I want you to be my coach. And I was like, well, Texas rules and real estate, we got to wait a little bit of time. But when the time's right, sure. A few weeks goes by, I get the next statement in the mail for my house payment. I take a picture of it as a joke just to send it to him. My house payment was $24.19. For your mortgage? And he already back. Yeah. He writes back, I see it. I don't understand how you can have a house payment of $24. You have to be my coach. I'm like, fine, whatever. He was going to do the 30-year mortgage. He paid off his condo in eight months. And so he tells his business partner, I tell a friend of mine what happened. They become clients two and three. And now I finally listen to my heart. And it says the way you're going to make an impact in this world, it's not dentistry. It's not doing another root canal. It's not doing another crown. 
way you're going to make an impact in this world is by teaching people what I call these new rules of finance and the system around it. So however you define freedom, you get there years, potentially decades faster than you ever thought possible. That's why I'm talking with you today. I'm hooked. Let's start. Tell me the three principles. <laughs> so let's start with principle number one. You go to a bank. You say, I'd like to take out a loan. They say, great. We have two loan products here. One's at 4%, one's at 10%. Which one would you like? The 4%. Would yeah, that part's not a trick. Okay, I was question. like, I'm waiting for the trick. <laughs> <laughs> but you need, Vincent, you need two more pieces of information here. Number one is you're going to take the loan out for a year. And number two, your loan's for $100. Okay. So at the end of a year, if you had the 4% one, it's $104. If it's 10%, it's 110 And as you hear that, I'm hoping you're thinking like, I don't think that $6 is going to make or break me. If not, you definitely need to find a new industry. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's a thousand dollars, that ten forty versus eleven hundred, still no one's really going to care. But now you get up to a hundred thousand dollars. Now all of a sudden, this starts to make a difference. But what I but what I share in that example is that when you think about it, it's not really the interest rate that matters. It's how much debt. Do you have outstanding that the interest rate is applied to that matters? So the first real thing is, is like, how do we accelerate paying the debt down so that the interest rate becomes meaningless? Does that make sense? It does. I'm, I'm, I'm just like so intrigued. How do you do that? Well, so now let's go. Well, here, let's kind of get to the next step of this. And that is. Let's go back to, you had your practice open when COVID began, right? Yes. Okay. So you have all of these payments with various institutions. If it's not you, then it's someone who's listening to the show. You've got your house payment. You've got your car payment, you know, and all these other fixed payments, student loans, potentially credit card balances, medical debt, if you've got that. And then all of a sudden, you're told you can't go to work. You have no money in coming in, but all of these fixed payments, these gigantic rocks are still in your way. And see, that is the greatest problem that we have, is that when you consider the word of a mortgage or an amortization table, they both have the same root word, M-O-R-T, which is exactly the same as mortuary and mortician. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The root, the word mortgage is a French term meaning death. Pledge. It feels like it. <laughs> so, the, so the financial system is set up in a way that you are making payments until the day you die, or you're going to die trying. All right. And the reason why this is just impossible for people to get around is because Let's just say you had some extra money. You had $20,000 and you're like, I want to pay my home off faster. You put the $20,000 in. What happens the next month? You have the same house payment the next month, right? It doesn't change. 
But what I do in the system that I teach is that you now have a variable payment instead of a fixed payment. Now, can it go backwards on you? Yeah, we'll have to discuss the risk later. But because of this variable payment, I have now shifted in terms of where I'm placing my money because now using the example of a house, my house became my checking account. The money I put in today, I can get back out tomorrow. Whereas when you put your payment into your house, the money you put in today is locked up in that titanium safe pretty much until you sell the house. See the difference? I do. I I believe you do that, but I've never heard that you could pull it back out. Right. And the way that we pull this out and the tool that I show people how to use is something called the line of credit. All right. So let's kind of take a step back and say, what exactly is a line of credit? And then various examples. So a line of credit is just a tool that money is flowing through. And the easiest example that we all know is a credit card. Call up, apply for a credit card. You get approved for a $10,000 limit. Okay. Or availability. So you charge $3,000 of goods and services at the due date. If you don't pay that $3,000 off, you still have $7,000 available left in the line. Now I call that availability access to cash. But when you do pay that 3,000 off, now the full 10,000 is available again. So money is flowing in and through this tool. I did the, what I did with my house is, I refinanced from a traditional mortgage like you have now, as we talked off air, and I refinanced into a first position home equity line of credit. I broke open the titanium safe. So now, or if you want to think of it this way, you have a titanium safe, but you don't have the key. I just gave you the key so that when you put the money in today, you can take the key, open up the door, and get the money back out tomorrow. Is your home equity line of credit a variable interest rate or a locked-in interest rate? No, it's a, for, I'm going to say 98% of people, it's a variable interest rate. That is one of the risks. Um, and that's probably the thing that pe that scares people the most is like, well, I've got a fixed interest rate at 3%. Why would I ever want to do this? Okay. So let's kind of jump to the big punchline. I had the $24 house payment back in September of 2018. My next month was $32. My month after that was $65. I did not have a house payment over $500 for four straight years. Why? Because the only thing that I owed was just the interest that accrued that month on the debt that I had outstanding. And because I can manipulate the debt and keep it low, I had a low payment every month. So I, so in 2021, my average house payment was $350. In 2022, even with all of those interest rate increases, where we heard the Fed's increasing the interest rate again and again and again and again, where now it's at like, you know, 
5% or whatever it is. Even with all those increases, my average house payment was $500. In 2023, when all is said and done, it's probably going to be around $7,750 a month. Which is easier to pay? My variable interest rate of $700 or your fixed payment of, let's say, between $2,500 and $4,500 a month, depending upon where you live in the country. I don't care which one's paying down the, the debt. I'm just asking which is easier to pay. Which one is easier to navigate through your life? $750 or $3,000? Of course the $750. Right. So because I understand the risk of the change in interest rate, I'm willing to accept the risk knowing the reward on the back end is I can manipulate the debt way better than you can. Where if you have, a, let's just say that 2023 ends up being an awesome year for you and you've got, you know, X amount of dollars of profit. If you were set up with a line of credit, you're like, Sweet. I can throw all this money against my house, lower that balance, lower my payment. And if something happened, what can I do? I can take the money back out. That's, that's the difference. It's just a mindset shift on where you can place the money to be as efficient as possible every day. So I guess what comes up in my mind, I'm so ignorant to all of this, is that I would worry if I'm constantly just paying interest down, and not paying down the principal, it's almost like I'm renting. Like it's a waste of money. Now you're you're almost you're because you're you're thinking in terms of a loan and an amortization table. Here, so let's let's just pretend that you have four hundred thousand dollars outstanding. Again, you may or may not. I'm pulling numbers out. I just want people to kind of understand the concept, and that for your family. You, what it actually hits your checking account after you pay taxes and 401k and medical insurance, you have $15,000 a month coming in. Okay. And you're in, I don't know what your monthly expenses are, but let's, let's just call it $9,000. Let's just call it 10 just to make it easy. All right. So here's what happens. We're going to only get paid once a month on the first of the month. And our we set up our expenses that they're due on the 28th of the month. So if you want to kind of think of this as it's going to, it, it might be a little bit hard to visualize in terms of throwing these numbers around, but just kind of, if you need to slow this down, listen to it again and again. We have a $400,000 balance. We have the open-ended tool in our example. We have $15,000 comes in. You have one of two options. You can leave the 15,000 in your checking account or you can move it against your debt. If you move it against your debt into the line of credit, your balance will go from $400,000 down to 385. Well, what does the bank do? All a bank does is say, what is the balance at the end of the day? Multiply that by the interest rate on a daily basis. So take if it's even with a variable rate, if it's at 8%, take that, divide by 365. That's how much interest you're charged per day. Every single loan acts exactly the same way. 
And so for 27 days, you're at 385, not 400, okay? But you do live. You've got food and utilities and gas, and you've got four little demon children <laughs> running around. So, so what happens is you do have expenses, and those expenses are going to be paid. So you take the money back out of the line to the tune of $10,000. So for days 28, 29, and 30, your balance is going to pop up to 395. But when you think about the average, 27 days you were being charged at 385, three days you're being charged at 395, that average debt is maybe around 386, not 400. And what happens month two, day one? You get the next 15,000, so you go from 395 all the way down to 380. Then 27 days goes by, you pull the money out for the expenses, and now it pops up to 390. Your excess profit is just staying inside your house, inside the line of credit. And so if this happened to be you, you started at 400,000, you have 5,000 extra of cash flow, you're paying that house off in seven years, not 30. My brain is still fried. I know. Yeah. I know. It's one of those, that, that's the hardest thing about a podcast is that you kind of have to see this, but I have no problem in terms of explaining. Yeah. It. The fun part is, is that like, I can do this both for someone's personal life and for people's business, whether, and it does not matter if you're, if you're a business owner or you're W2, first and foremost, it's just math. If your income is not greater than your expenses on a consistent basis, this is not the right plan for you because then you can really get into hot water and I don't want to be involved with that. So that's first and foremost. But yeah, I mean, we can, we can take this any way you want in terms of just ways I've held. Yeah. Or what other, what other questions are coming up for you? Because this is, it, it's. Once you're on the other side of it, it becomes so much easier to see it. So I think what I want to keep moving forward is the three principles. If we can get a good 10,000 foot view today to get people understanding what's going on, and then they could even reach out to you after for more specialized coaching or training, I would love that. Mm -hmm. So if you had to simply explain rule one, it would be credit line is a tool. Um, that's really more like, more like number three credit principle. Number one is interest rate is not the driving force of what you should be looking for. Okay. Okay. And that's that whole 4% versus 10% rule. Okay. Okay. Number two is how do we get around the idea of the titanium safe? So let me, let me kind of, I'll use a different way of explaining this. Because one other client was like, when you explained it that way, that's when this all made sense. Okay. So give me um, another another term for money. Cash. Keep going. Uh, equity. Keep going. I don't know. Liquid. Keep going. Moolah. Scrap, <laughs> <laughs> screw, yeah. yeah. No. So, um Current. Current. Ah, shit. That's like the easiest one. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. But it's all good. But why is it called currency? 
Give me one one reason why you think it might be called currency. When I think of currency, I think of like current, like it's moving. Yes. Okay. The, it's called currency because it has to move. It has to flow. And I always go back to think of an electrical current. When that circuit is broken, those electrons can't move. But once you close the loop, then they move. And now we can power on our lights, our computer, our Zoom account, whatever it is, so that we can interact and in, in, in the things are moving. The economy works the exact same way. Okay, Money has to move for the economy to be working. So let's go back to 2008. Okay, We step back there and say, these banks, remember, for a bank, an asset is the loans they have. And they started looking at these loans and they said, um, our loans stink. You know, I don't know why we were making these loans, but these are horrible. Like we're not getting paid back. But if we are fishing in the same pond as all these other banks, how could their loans not stink too? And so now on a large level and on a global level, these banks started to say, wait a second, I can't trust that these that these exchanges that we're doing, these swaps, are going to be any good. And so I'm not going to move my money over there and trust that I'm going to get anything back in return. In return. So when they stopped moving the money, that's when the economy crashed. Now fast forward to 2020. This time it wasn't the banks, it was all the governments worldwide just shutting things down. And they saw what happened 12 years ago and said, there's no way we're letting this happen again. But then on the flip side, they realize most people are broke. They don't have money just lying around. So I don't care where you're at politically. The one thing the administration got right is say, we have to force money into people's hands so that the money keeps circulating. It keeps moving. Because if not, we're going to be in real dire straits here. So where they got it wrong is that they just did way too much of this. And now we're dealing with the, the, the impact of inflation in regards to this. Okay. Now let's look at your economy. The most expensive purchase outside of doctors, dentists, lawyers, traditionally is the purchase of your home. But what have the banks done? The banks have put this titanium safe in place. I put the money in. I can't get the money back out. And so, but you know, emergencies and stuff come up. So you're not going to put all of your money in if you can't retrieve it. So what do they have you do? They have you silo it into a savings account, into a checking account, into CDs. And so you park your money and they take it and start moving it for their own economy. What I do and what I learned is I finally understood what the game board is that the banks have set up, the rules of the game board, saw what other tools are allowed, and now I've taken their tools and their rules and screwed them with it. And I teach people like you how to play the game so that you take all of your money back and have the money moving within your own economy. 
that's that's the overall ten thousand foot view. So then let's go back to the point where you said he paid it instead of twenty years, you can pay it off in seven years. Can you go yes. into a little more detail how that's practically being done? Yeah, because the excess cash in our example, we had the fifteen thousand of income and ten thousand dollars of expenses. That excess cash, which you might keep as an emergency fund, we are just repositioning that inside the line of credit. And my argument with people is that would you rather have your money in a checking account earning zero or would you rather have it against your largest debt balance pushing the amount of interest that you are being charged down because from a cash flow perspective everyone always likes to earn more money it's easy to see how the offense is played i started zero i'm now positive but if you're a football guy there was the old alabama head coach which said offense sells tickets but defense wins championships the way you play defense in the financial game is by saving on payments but people just don't understand how to save on payments outside of let me cut the cable or let me switch from AT&T to Verizon or Verizon to T-Mobile or whatever it is. They don't know how to rearrange their expenses so that $800 car payment for now goes down to 15 bucks. So how do I, or, how do I move that $800 car payment down to $15? Right. So... If we have, so let's just say we got a line of credit in place or here, I'll, let me give you a perfect, perfect example. Uh, Cause this is a client or potential client. I think by Sunday they'll become a client. They have a million dollar home. It's on one of the coasts, West coast, East coast, doesn't matter. Million dollar home. They have $300,000 left on their mortgage. Okay. They are literally buying a car this week. Let's call it $80,000. We can get a line of credit or in his state, because every state is different. We can get a line of credit of 90% of the value of his home. So if it's a million dollar home, he can get a line of credit of $900,000. The first 300000 is a balance transfer, just like if you went from one credit card to another. So 300,000 of 900,000 is being used. That means there's still $600,000 available of cash. What do we do? Instead of having payments on the car of call it seven, 800 bucks a month, we take money out of the line of credit to pay for the car in cash. And you're like, but well, wait a second, there's still gonna be an interest charge. The answer is yes, there is. But instead of having to spend $800 a month, maybe month one, if he had no other cash available, it will go down to $500. So all the, immediately day one, he's saving $300 a month in payments. Because he's so heavy positive cash flow and rearranging these expenses, they, have, they will now have an extra $20,000 a month in cash flow going from 10,000 to 20,000 just by rearranging. And so 
if you think about that, if there's an extra 20 grand and the car cost 80, how fast does he pay off the car? Four months yeah. instead of six years. So that will save him $800 a month times 67 months. And you just keep on attacking the next 20,000 is if you want to kind of think of this in order, the next 20,000 is going against the house of $300,000. He pays that off in 15 months. He'll have the car and the and his house paid off in two years. And even at that point where he has no house payment, he has access to $900,000. Why? Because it's a line of credit, just like a credit card. If you never charge anything on the credit card, you owe no, you owe no interest potentially. If your balance on your line of credit is zero, your house payment is zero. But if he needed the money, you just, where do you get it from? You just take it out of the line of credit. So this is making more like, sense. kind of blowing your mind here. Well, it's or? making more sense now. Yes, my mind is being blown. It's making a lot more sense now. <laughs> if we if we back up a couple of steps, you said instead yeah. of eight hundred dollars a month, the payment's five hundred dollars. Is that five hundred the interest on the six hundred thousand? Or what would the 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 right the only thing you owe interest on is the money you've actually taken out of the line. So you're not owing interest on that nine hundred thousand as our example. Okay. You're only owing interest on the three eighty. So he only had sorry. So he only had six hundred available because he used three hundred to pay the rest of his house off with the home equity line. Correct. Okay. And re- and so that's the other part of this. It's like how did like because you said he went from ten thousand a month cash flow to twenty. How? Because now he doesn't have a mortgage payment anymore. He just has the interest that's owed on whatever is outstanding. So the interest was only the 300 he pulled out initially to pay down the existing mortgage. Correct. And the 600 sitting there not being interest on whatever the term is because he hasn't used it yet. Correct. Okay. And if he never uses it, fine. But it's there if he needs it. Because he's a dentist, is there a much better chance that he gets hurt than dies? You bet. And so if he needed it, the money is there. Will he pay an interest charge? Yeah, but I would much rather have the access to cash and have that flexibility than not have the access. Because when do banks like to give you money? When you show that you have an income available. If you got hurt, Vincent, to the point that you can't work, good luck trying to get a loan. As in your line of work, is it the people's houses that is most commonly used for the line of credit? Correct. Okay. Yeah. If you own a business like you do, um, you can get what's known as a business line of credit. Usually they'll look at what are your collections and, and make a line of credit by, based on the percentage of collections. If you actually own the building to your business, banks like that more because then there's collateral. So what is the risk here? Because all I'm hearing now is all upside. But whenever you hear all upside, there's obviously another side of the coin that I'm not seeing. Where does this turn sideways on you? It's a fantastic question. I'm glad that you asked it because there are really four risks to this, potentially a fifth one. So number one, it's just math. 
you have to have the cash flow. If your income is not greater than your expenses on a consistent basis, this does not work, period, end of story, okay? This is not some magic act, but could you potentially go upside down in a month? Yeah, if you needed a new roof, if it, you, know, you needed a new car engine, hot water heater, whatever. I'm just saying on a consistent basis, income greater than expenses. If not, this don't even consider this. Number two, the interest rate is variable, okay? I mentioned in terms of me before, what happened in 2021, 22, and what will happen in 2023. Again, I don't care about the interest rate moving because I understand the risk. Even though that is a risk, the reward is greater to me because I have so much more flexibility than you do, okay? Number three, a line of credit can get closed. This is what everyone was always arguing with me about, saying back in 2009, 2010, I thought they were closing lines of credit everywhere. The answer was, yeah, but not really. Because you only hear the headlines from Mace Bank and Crank of America and Hell's Cargo and Capital One because they get the headlines, all right? But I have spoken to enough bankers from regional banks, small banks, credit unions, and ask them point blank, what did you do during COVID? And if you've been with this bank since all the way 15 years ago, what did you do back then? And the answer more often than not is we didn't do a thing. As long as people were being good stewards of the line, we didn't have to do anything. Okay. And the reason why I prefer to work with these smaller institutions is because they are your neighbors. They're in your community. They really know what's going on feet on the ground versus these mega banks. They don't have a clue. They make one rule and it's, it sweeps across the, the entire organization. And so for those people that are just scared about the idea of the line getting closed, I have an alternative solution that that won't happen because it is from a federal standpoint, it is technically a mortgage, but it acts like a line of credit. It's an open-ended mortgage. There's only one company that does it, okay? The biggest risk to this, Vincent, is that you raid the piggy bank. And I've got an acquaintance here I use that term very loosely. At one point, the husband was part of the Watch of the Month Club, and they currently have a car lease payment of $1,300 a month. Beautiful car, but it's a car lease. And they do well. I could care less what they spend it on, but if you got them in a corner and asked them why, why do you spend on this? takes about five minutes to get to the truth, to impress our circle of friends. See, the problem with that is that there's no end game to that. And so if I showed this couple the, the system, they would start it, they would raid the piggy bank, they'd come back to me and say, Howard, this doesn't work. And I'd just look at them and say, no, you're just an idiot. You're an idiot that happens to make a lot of money, but you're still an idiot, all right? And so you know you better than I know you. 
And if that idea of having access to six figures of cash, the next immediate thought in your head is, I'm going to go buy my next Lamborghini, or I'm going to go buy my first Lamborghini, please don't buy the Lamborghini unless your business is flipping Lamborghinis, or you already have the cash flow that you can pay the Lamborghini back. If not, you're going to destroy this. Okay. The bonus risk factor is you're out, you're doing a walk, exercise, whatever. You're listening to this and you're like, this is awesome. You try and explain this to your spouse, best of luck. They're going to say, you are absolutely out of your mind. This guy is nuts. There's no way. Just shut up about it. <laughs> That's the final risk. But in the right hands, and, and this, is why I, this is why I coach people. Because I want to make sure ahead of time that I know this is going to work and that you don't run down a rabbit hole that you're going to get yourself in a dangerous position. So in your defense, when I'm listening to these four downfalls or risk factors, they're kind of risk factors for ordinary finance as well. Because let's say I'm not following your system, but my expenses exceed my income. I'm going to go bust. Or let's say I'm not following your system and I buy three Lamborghinis after this podcast. I'm still an idiot. So you just have to have regular financial common sense to do this as well. It doesn't seem that much more risky than how everyone else in America lives anyway. No, because by, you're correct. But the way that most people think is I make X. This is the next widget I want costs Y. Does it fit within my budget? And I don't deal with budgets. I deal with cash flow. And so it's one of those that if you're all, if you're just so like, you're having such a hard time living within your budget now, this is dangerous because you're like, oh, I can just pull some more money out of this. I can pull some more money. And next thing you know, you're starting to go backwards slowly and then you may not be able to recover. I'm not going to be part of that. And there are times that people have come to me and I've analyzed their numbers and I just said, I can't help you. I am not going to watch you basically blow yourself up. You can do it on your own. I'm not going to be there next to you. It sounds like you know, the saying, like the more effective the tool that can be dangerous, but also helpful. This is the same way. Like you can cut bread with a knife. You can also cut your neck with a knife as well. Yeah. I mean, or if you want to say a gun, it's like someone who's an avid marksman. Great. They can hold a gun. Give that same gun to a kid. Could be pretty dire consequences. Yeah. So yeah, it. that's why I go back to it's a tool. It has to be respected. But if you respect the tool, it can work miracles for you far faster than you ever thought. So what's kind of moving through my mind right now are two schools of thoughts. Dave Ramsey, if you have any debt, you'll die tomorrow. And then rich dad, poor dad, if you don't have debt, you'll die tomorrow. Is this somewhere like in between or where does your school of thought? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really great point. Um, when I'm doing my presentation, I tell people, I am not the Dave Ramsey poster child. I do not say everyone has to be debt free. What I do say is that I want you to control how much debt you want in your life because when you can actually control it, 
by utilizing things like lines of credit, now all of a sudden you save interest, you save time, you increase your cash flow. But more importantly, as you really start, this starts to click in, you now have an opportunity fund. So go back to that couple that after two years, they would be debt-free and have $900,000 available. It really becomes an opportunity fund for growth, however they define it, whether that means getting an RV because of the experience that they could have traveling everywhere, they can get another, they can get a rental property, they can invest in the stock market, they can invest in their practice, wherever it is, however they define growth, the money is there for them to use. And they know now how they can pay it back quickly. Okay. And so that is that's kind of the phase two of this. Get through phase one. I lead you in the direction towards being debt free until you finally start to see the parts of the system. And then you're like, wait a second, I'm still going to have expenses. Is there a way for me to leverage this going now over to the Kiyosaki side to say, if I take money out, it might cost me 8%. But if I can find an investment that's going that I'm going to earn 10, 12, 15% and help to pay that down again along with my my regular income, yeah, do that all freaking day long. Absolutely. And so now you've just now you've started this the positive cycle in terms of the passive income. But yeah, that's the phase two. I'm just thinking the money is just imaginary. When you're talking about using this percent for that percent, it's like, holy shit, what are we doing as a country? No, it, it's a, it's just energy. Yeah. It, it's just energy. And so when you are parking it and siloing it, you are stopping the energy that is behind the money. And here I'm just having you move the energy faster and more effectively first to try and help pay down these debts. And then from there, play defense first to then play offense if you want to go back to the football coach. Yeah. Where did you learn this? Because I've you're the first this is the first time I've ever hearing any of this. And I've read a lot of financial books in the past. Yeah. Um the first time was yeah, when was that? 2016. Really, some YouTube video just comes across. And I'm like, I'm too tired to try and delve into this. I'll look at it. I'll look at it tomorrow morning. That turned into the whole weekend. And Vincent, if I did not become a dentist, my second thought of what my career was going to be was to be an actuary. Okay. So from a math standpoint, once I saw this, I was like, this is the most logical way I've ever seen in terms of paying off debt. Because I remember when I had my first house and when I was married, I would see those first few payments and it would drive me insane to say, how am I ever going to pay this house off? It drew, I mean, I was beside myself saying like, this is horrible, but I could not see any other way to do it. And then it was 10 years later that I came across this and I was like, this would have made all the difference in the world 10 years before. I mean, we would have paid that house off in four to five years. I can't say it would have saved my marriage, but <laughs> <laughs> but but we would have had the house paid yeah. off. Um, so yeah, it, it just and so once I saw the light, I was like, I just need to share this. 
and then to see a success with other people. And now, you know, just when people reach out and I can tell them what can happen there, it, it just becomes this unlike, no, that can't have, that's too good to be true. I'm like, it's not, you've been good stewards and it's just rearranging how that energy is moving through your personal life. It seems too good to be true. When I'm listening to this, like I'm thinking like, how do I go home and tell my wife that we're going to do a full HELOC on my house and pull all the money out? <laughs> so as you know, there's high information buyers that you, you are a dentist. Patients need to know all the information and low information mm -hmm. buyers. So we're actually coming up in the hour mark. This flew by. Um, I want people to reach out to you. But some people are thinking in their head like, I need to read a book or watch a video or do one more thing before I call Howard. What do you recommend that we read or watch before we reach out to you if we're a high information buyer? Yeah. So there was a great quote uh, that I heard from James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits. Do I need to spend more time gathering better information? Or do I need to spend more time acting on the information I already have? Let me answer both parts of this. As you said, and probably most of, most of the people that are going to download this, I've never heard of anything like this. I need better information. There's no way I can figure out heads from tails up from down on what this guy said. I do a discovery call. It is 100% complimentary. Because I know you need the better information. And even at that point, you still may not know how to analyze it to say if this is going to work or not. So I'll pull all the information out of you. And from that point, I'll do the analysis. I'll tell you how much cash flow can be freed up, you know, usually in the next 12 to 18 months. I'll tell you when your debt-free date is, just because I have to lead you in a direction. And now that you've got the better information... Now the ball's in your court of what you want to do. How do you want to act? You know, is it one of those you'll get to those dreams someday? Or if you know that you could get to them decades sooner, why wouldn't you? Okay. So let me end with this. My personal cell phone. If you want to text me saying, I heard you on Vincent's podcast. I want to do a discovery call. You text me your name and your email address to 512-608-1020. If you want, I did write a little ebook, take you about 15 minutes to go through, gives you those three rules that we kind of touched on earlier. It is www.cashflowcoachusa.com forward slash book. And I even have in there, I built out a little calculator that five or six inputs and that'll give you a rough estimation. But I really encourage people. I have no problem talking to people about this um, in terms of doing the discovery call and really saying like, is this legit? Like, here's my numbers. You're really telling me I could get to, I could be debt free in three, four, seven years. So I was like, yeah, I mean, it's unless you lied to me in terms of what the numbers are that you gave me, like I'm just going by what you told me. And it's just, how do we rearrange this so that it's possible? 
I'm going to be the first person that calls you for the discovery because <laughs> we're not recording live. So before I release it, I'm going to call you. Um, for the people listening, I have Howard's cell phone, and that's actually that is a cell phone. So please call him, Howard. This is amazing stuff. So, well, look, I can't say I am the one that originated it. Yeah. Um, but I'm here to, you know, I go back and every interaction, I hope you felt this, Vincent, every interaction that I have with people, it's always led with three core values, integrity, then family, and then impact. If this impact, if this impacted even one of your listeners today, then I know I did my job. I can tell you it's more than one listener. I can already tell you that. This is such a good podcast. I had no idea because you don't have much information online. I didn't know you had a website. I wish I would have looked at it before. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that just shows you I'm bad at <laughs> Yeah, all of us are. So <laughs> let me ask you, because I always have a couple questions at the end. What is one takeaway you'd want the audience to have from this hour interview? The, the financial game has been set up against us and we had no idea if, if it has just bothered you, like there's this, there's this kernel in the back of your mind saying there's gotta be a different way. Reach out. We'll chat. Even if it's not the right time for you right now, at least I can start to guide you and say, if you do A, B, and C, do that consistently for a few months, then I can start to help you. But I just want people to know it's like there's just a different way to do the game. Why are they not telling me this? Simple answer is it's money. What? Remember, if you don't have, if we save 25 years of payments off of your house, who is that screwing? Screwing the bank. How would this benefit them? It doesn't. That's why you should be intrigued. <laughs> I, and I am. Oh my gosh. I think one of the takeaways I have, which you mentioned earlier, is that you're not bending reality. So like if you're still overspending, this is not going to fix that, which is such a good message. People think like, okay, if I'm overspending, I'll just do Howard's method, then I'll get that Lamborghini. But that's where it turns sideways on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thank you for bringing that as like the final point is like, you have to be a good steward of this. There has to be, I'm not saying you can't take the vacation. Okay. And I'm not saying you can't get the RV. But you've got to be a good steward of your money to be able to enjoy those things and not get yourself in trouble. So thank you for bringing that part home. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So your cell phone, the website, is there anything else or are those the main ways to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, my email, howard at cashflowcoachusa.com. Okay, great. Well, Howard, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. And can I have you back on for a part two? Yeah. I mean, if there's one of your uh, listeners that comes in as a client, I'd love to have a review and let them share in terms of what the experience is. Oh, that'd be perfect. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Cool.